And we're here. It's another Joshi 2010s episode, episode 31. We're doing Oz Academy yet again. It's the annual Plum Memorial Show. It's the country of Oz. It's day two of the 15th anniversary of Oz Academy here in 2011. Scott E., you are joining me on the Redleaf Retrocast Patreon for this. So happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. I wasn't I wasn't as happy to watch the show, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy <laughs> to uh join you for this. Um thank you for having me on. I mean, a show filled with legends. What could go wrong? You you say that, and there's a reason why. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it well, no, it's it's a whole part of the the journey going through this age out of the dark age and kind of where we came from and where we're going and kind of seeing it's it's a good retrospective on kind of where the scene is and why it's so difficult to get out of it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And when I, you start seeing shows like this and shows that we have covered, you kind of see why <laughs> we've gotten to a lot of the places we're at in a lot of these promotions. This is this is when I say my uh, annual show every time I'm on one of your shows. God bless stardom. Thank God they. uh are doing what they're doing now because this was Joshi. Still is, I guess. <laughs> well, yes, it absolutely still is. <laughs> so I must I don't ask. Watch it, but it is. I must ask after I thank you yet again for coming on, and I I really hope to have you on for more of these because the whole purpose is to is to is to learn, and everyone's got to start somewhere, right? True. And I gotta ask, what is your historical uh experience with a lot of uh joshi wrestlers and some of these promotions that uh, we've covered on this um so when it comes i mean when it comes to a lot of wrestlers like you you know io shirai is on this show kana's on this show i know a lot about them um Mm -hmm. you know it helps that I was originally a WWE fan and they, they kind of are two of the reasons I'm watching Joshi in the first place. Uh, but you look at, you know, for example, the main event, I think the main event's a good way to start, you know, Aja Kong, I've went back and watched some of her matches. Um, and I want to watch more and more. Like she's one of the real people that have stood out to me. Um, I don't think I'll ever be able to get myself to watch Mayu Miyazaki after this show. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but Shinobu Kandori, I mean, I've watched her matches with um, Akira Hokuto, and those are mm-hmm. some of my favorite matches of all time now. So there's a lot of names like throughout the show that I could keep naming, like Satomura, uh, Matsumoto, that I know a good amount about, whether it's from watching the Stardom archives or just going back in time and watching. Like Satomura, I've watched her match with Hokuto as well, which is phenomenal. So a lot of it... <laughs> I'm I'm definitely uh I'm not as experienced as, you know, say yourself or Kay or many others, but I think that's why I'm so excited to be on a show like this is that I get to learn, right? I get to learn along the way, I get to learn from you, and I get to learn by talking about it too. So I know a lot of these wrestlers, it's just a matter of seeing how many matches I've actually seen of theirs. Yeah, and and just to play off that i myself like this is an era i'm not too familiar with as uh, at all either like k and i and many others 
Uh, I'm very familiar with the 80s now. I've watched a lot of AGW in the 80s. I'm trying to fill a lot of late 70s. And I'm filling a lot of the 90s in context. And that's a really important word to use is context. I feel like when a lot of historians in the in the wrestling sense go back and watch a lot of these things, it's just, oh, I'll watch the pay-per-views. Oh, I'll watch a, a singular TV show or an episode or I'll watch a singular match. And there's a lot of context missing. There's a lot of missing of the buildup and and learn knowing about how the wrestlers themselves got there and their rivalries that go in turn with it and this show is a great representation over what we've experienced in 2011 through Oz Academy uh what we've experienced with a lot of these uh legends on the show Ozaki Kong Kansai and Kendori being the main events and there's a very big historical uh significance to just the main event in itself and uh Upon further research of this show and just watching it and kind of going, okay, this this matchup is here for a purpose more than just throwing a card together, which when you look at a lot of Oz Academy, that's kind of what they do a lot of the times. This one had a lot of purpose of what they were trying to throw together. And it was this sh- this this Plum Memorial show, this 15th anniversary Oz Academy show had a lot to do with Joshi history and calling back to it when you put all the pieces together, which I found very fascinating. And I don't know if you caught on, uh, caught on uh, to that when you were looking at some of these matchups. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you know, for me, the biggest thing I noticed is if you look at this card, it's pretty much like the, then the now and essentially the future at the time, right? This 2011, I mean, I brought up Io Shirai, you know, she would go on to be, far more important than she was at this time but the the history the history is um very interesting to me just because i mean you you talk to anyone that's a joshi fan you bring up a lot of these names and they will think of all their great times so just for me looking at such a card and you know you sent me the card before you you know we watched the show so i looked at the card and initial thoughts i was like oh wow this is um this is exciting for me. It's a little bit of everything, right? It's a little bit of everything that I like about Joshi in terms of the wrestlers. Um, of course, I didn't watch the matches yet, but ah, I think that's... So that's a big trick. Yes, yes. <laughs> the biggest of tricks, actually. <laughs> well, I, I, I apologize, but I don't, because it is a, it is a learning experience at the same time. And... Uh, just to give a little hint over kind of his history in the sense of you mentioned the future, uh, this would actually be one of Io Shirai's last matches before signing full time or uh, finishing out her indie dates and being full time with Stardom, basically exclusively. This huh. was her last Oz Academy show. She only had a couple wave shows, and then. Uh, she would do a couple produce shows and go to Mexico and get in trouble with uh, Nosawa Rangai, the Noah Booker, yeah. in which mm-hmm. she got caught with, like, uh, I think it was uh, weed at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah that's that's uh, that's a, always a good story to tell. But, yeah, this was basically Yoshirai's swan song to the indie scene was this was this show. 
before she signed full time with Stardom, which wow. we uh, I covered in a previous episode covering uh, Io Shirai's debut in Stardom, her immediate booking in Stardom, her uh, being at uh, essentially immediately being established as a main eventer uh, within that group in Stardom, whom have separated themselves from the pack in all of of Joshi in terms of JWP. Oz Academy, we don't even cover Sendai because they only have 15 shows-ish a year. They're kind of a non-entity at this time. Uh, Ice Ribbon is uh, gearing up for their first exodus <laughs> as, it, as it comes full swing. Ah, that's, that's tough timing. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's a lot of pieces being uh, put together and you can kind of see stories on, on unfolding through this era in particular. So just to recap and remind people that uh, we we did cover the Oz Academy Gravity Show not too long ago, which took place from Shinjuku Face, and Dynamite Kansai won the openweight title from Ran Yuyu, and it was a tr- uh, it was by definition a transitional run, and a fun fact uh, after that title change, uh, since the inception of the Oz Academy openweight title. Uh, which was, uh, I believe, in 2008. So we're in 2011 now. Uh, no champion has defended this title more than once. Really? Really. And it That's... has maintained to be essentially a fact behind this title, which is why we call this old school uh, uh, uh Joshi booking as boxing titles where you have, you either get a champion that defends it forever or they lose it immediately, but they only defend it once a year kind of situation. Oh, okay. Okay. You're, you're connecting the dots now in my brain. Okay. That's wild though. I had no idea. That's that was the history of this. Yeah. Yeah. So if Miami Ozaki has the title, she defends it more than once, but no mm, one else does. And Kaoru, when she won the title in 2010, and then she went down with her uh, ankle injury, which put her out for a couple of years, she was the first person to defend that title more than once. <laughs> what? Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> and she's, and at this time, she's the only one, which is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, that's, wow. Okay. And you can kind of see this old school booking through some of these other promotions that you see nowadays. Uh, Sendai is a good example with, say, their tag titles and main title. How often do you see Hashimoto defend this title? Yeah, she ain't losing, Chief. (laughs) Right. Marvelous is the same way. They didn't even have titles until recently, uh, but you get the idea. It's 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 a very rare and and even in modern (laughs) cut to ten years later in Oz Academy. the the titles switch hands a lot, tag and and main, and it's right. it's based on this old school '80s booking that AJW had, where the title would be rarely defended, and usually when it was defended, it would change hands, which is an interesting strategy for selling tickets because you see a title match on the card, and you're you're almost telling your audience you're guaranteed a title change. Interesting strategy. Oh, for sure. I mean, the intrigue of seeing a title change, no matter what, 
is always way more exciting. So that is, hmm, that's when you look at it that way. Hmm, you're kind of, hmm. Oz Academy's weird. I want to say that first and foremost, like based off of my one show experience here. But that, that is an interesting thought just on the ticket side. Like, you know, this that's, hmm. So when you cut from the 80s and 90s to, say, 2010, 2020, we ask the question now, does that mentality and cultural booking standpoint translate to the modern era, which is what I'm getting into uh, a lot on the Red Leaf Retrocast proper with, say, Western mm-hmm. booking, do, do and, and you can you can see this uh in various companies do DQ finishes still have the same effect? Do uh, time limit draws have the same effect? Do uh, there, there's various other booking strategies that used to be commonplace in the seventies, eighties, nineties, pick a decade over what was popular at the time. Does it translate to the modern era? Very, that that's where our mindset is when we do these. So let's get it. I will I will uh, further go back into uh, what set up this show. So Kansai beat Ran Yu for the title. And in the background of these uh, monthly shows that Oz Academy run, because they don't run a lot of shows, uh, they only run a handful a year, uh, you know, one to <laughs> one to a month uh, max kind of situation. And in the background, it's been Mayumi Zaki trying to get her title back and Aja Kong being, uh, well, Aja Kong. She's uh, doing Jungle Jack version two, essentially, at this time. Hiroyo Matsumoto's in it and various other people. Uh, very much what you see uh, 10 years later, <laughs> what we're doing now. Yep. And so that led to a big anniversary match four-way with Kansai, Kong, and Ozaki, and then they just kind of threw uh, Kandori in there. She she kind of showed up in the meantime. There was one show between the Gravity show that we did cover and uh, this show, which was the Country of Oz Day One. Uh, usually, there's 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 a house show, and then your and then your main event show uh, leading up to the the Plum Memorial show, and it's by definition a house show. Nothing of note happened on on it. Nothing set up. It's just here's the show, and that's why they drew only 357 people at Taisho Hall in Osaka. So a non-entity factor. So for what we're discover, what we're uh, discussing today. So let's get into this, Scotty. As we talk I've about, I've never been more ready. The Plum Memorial Show, 15th anniversary for Oz Academy. On this show at Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium, uh, this is this is the same uh, Yokohama arena that we're familiar with. The annual Oz Academy and Big Japan would run it, and Ice Ribbon ru- would run it every August as well. And it wasn't until uh, just uh, a year ago where it finally uh, closed down, not running on it. Uh, so you're fam- you you are familiar with this this particular Yokohama arena. Yes, yes. Yeah. So this show, they drew 2,515 people, which was, by metrics, uh, this is what they claimed, by the way, uh, very much in question what they actually drew, 
because during these eras, these companies would absolutely inflate their attendance. Uh, so to be fif- 15 people over uh, the previous Joshi Max from a few years ago is very much questionable, especially when you get the wide cameras out in the audience. You see a lot of empty seats. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I just read that number and I was like, ah, I don't know about that one. But even take the, taking the, let, let's say they drew 2,000. Let's say they they inflated by 500. This was still uh, the largest women's wrestling audience since at least 2007 that I could find. And that was an LLPW show uh, anniversary type edition. And that shows you how dire the scene was coming yeah. out of the mid 2000s. Because as soon as AJW closed and Gaia closed, there was really no one, no no one left and nowhere to work. Neo by default became the promotion, and Neo just in 2010 closed down themselves. So Oz Academy is kind of the biggest promotion now by default now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure. The numbers were filled just for legend name alone. Like that's what we still see sometimes at Oz Academy, right? Am, am I off there? Of this is more of maybe not a card, but just the the name value. Well, this this show was heavily advertised and built as a nostalgia show, and that's how okay, they got so that's yeah. how they got these tickets. All right, okay, okay. This this is this is clicking for me. This is making sense. I. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. All right. So first match. Bolshoi Kid defeats Nao Kamatsu in six minutes. Scotty, your thoughts. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, JD, when, <laughs> when this was the first match, I was like, uh-oh. I, <laughs> that was my first thought. I was just like, oh, no. What am I, what, what is this show? Uh, it, it happened. I, um... Man, I and Bolshoi kid. Well, I was, you know who Command Bolshoi is. I do. That's why I was so. I was lost. <laughs> so was, to fill you in, since it's a nostalgia show, she's going back to the the Bolshoi kid gimmick, right. the clown gimmick from the '90s. She hasn't done it since I believe her last appearance as Bolshoi kid was like '98. 97 and uh in jwp so this is her one night return in celebration for oz academy which was the heel group in jwp and she's facing a rookie and she beats her in six minutes (laughs) yeah yeah she sure did now didn't she yeah i okay okay that makes sense i mean the whole you know like you said i know who command bolshoi is so you know turning this on i was like okay i i did the research to like know that this was who she once was, but oh, what a letdown. It's not it's not the banger type match that you were hoping for. No, not at all. I saw Bolshoi. I was like, okay, okay, hot start. And then no, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. So we move on to a trios match. <laughs> Big Japan is here. <laughs> unexpected. Oh my God. I was very unexpected. I saw I saw Okabayashi's name and I was like, oh. Uh, okay, I thought this was a Joshi show, but sounds good. 
Yeah, so Big Japan got involved, uh, very much a staple of the 90s, uh, got at least some buzz in the sense of their deathmatch uh, promotion and doing wacky gimmicks because they were they were a broke deathmatch promotion. <laughs> they couldn't do the extravagant uh, 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 sightings so that FMW could. But here we have Ryuji Ito, Shinya Ishikawa, Yoshi Hito Sasaki taking on and defeating Daisuke Sakamoto. Kazuki Hashimoto, no relation to Daichi or Shinya Hashimoto, so get that out of your head. I looked it up. It's uh, not the case. <laughs> and Okabayashi. It went 10 minutes. It's the Big B- big Japan offer match. Uh, the dude with a million scars pins the 20-year-old Kazuki Hashimoto. So the it's essentially, it's the veteran Big Japan team defeats the young team. The young team that has actual like people that actual wrestlers that people care about. So that was funny, uh, man. Like I, I so so I read this and I was like, okay, I like Sakamoto Okabayashi's cool and all. Uh, by the way, Okabayashi look exactly the same now. He sure does. Which is uh, I don't know if that, I don't know if that tells you what if he's young or old, but exactly the same. And like you said, the guy with a million. St- scars wins and i was like what 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 is happening what is happening i just i wanted to send you a message after every match because i was like this is jd what did you put me on here but uh the match is very forgettable yes two for two (laughs) (laughs) like i was like okay i like these names they might give me something nope nope nothing nothing so we move on Hiroyo matsumoto (laughs) and tomoka nakagawa Take on and defeat Sakura Hirota and Takako in a way. This went 12 and a half minutes. Scotty, I have my notes. What does yours say? <laughs> um, I enjoyed some of what Matsumoto did. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I thought she looked good. Um Otherwise, you know, I think I I feel like you're setting me up for failure here. No, I no, <laughs> come on. I, I uh we're going through Joshi the, history here. Oh yeah, this is history, all right. History of making eyes bleed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that my biggest takeaway was Matsumoto. I like that was my, I was like watching her. I was like, you know, she looked like really good here. I know she uh I know she, well, first of all, she wasn't, you know like she is now where she's a little more slower and whatnot. She was young into her career, but uh, she hit Hirota really hard one time. Yeah, and that great. popped me. That that popped me. I was like, this is the first time I popped all show. <laughs> I was like, this is what I needed. I needed to be inspired. I mean, Hirota did Hirota things, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway was Matsumoto looked great. So, it's an old comedy with a little wrestling as Hirota does uh, soccer. Hi- oh, okay. Did you did you understand the soccer Hirota gimmick in this match? No, I just thought she was being soccer Hirota, so I don't question these things. I just watch. So, so as you know, soccer Hirota likes to cosplay as other Joshi wrestlers. Yes, she does it less so now, but you know she'll do bull Hirota. Uh, as you saw at the Gaiaism show, she cosplayed as Akira Hokuto. Well, here she is Cutie Suzuki from JWP. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. And 
her shtick was she was cutie Suzuki with a lot of ugly moles on her face. So that explains kind of the dots. Yes, thank you. Thank yes. you. That was the thing I was so lost on. Yeah, she was ugly Suzuki was the joke. And <laughs> that's so uh, stupid. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was it was chock full of it in this match. So it was comedy uh, basically the entire time. It was very slow. Ends with comedy. Uh, Takako is casual taser shotting people, and Hiroyo almost breaks Hiroto's neck off an Mm -hmm. inverse fisherman buster. That's the best way I can describe it. It is just Mm -hmm. whacked out. It's uh, it's all it's like taking Made in Japan into another level. And if Hiroto didn't tuck as much as she could, she probably would have died. And uh, mm-hmm. she does, of course, kick out of that. And then she's pinned off a sit-out powerbomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that is the one thing. Like when I watch old Joshi, I'm like, oh, pile driver. Oh, kick out at once. Then they'll do like some normal ass move. And I'm like, oh, OK, no, that was finished. Got it. Yeah. Transitional pile drivers. Very, very common. <laughs> Those are my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Like everyone freaks out about them nowadays. But now nah, back then they were just, oh, you know, power slam. Same thing. People are so upset over like Tombstone pile drivers only because of the Undertaker, but we see them all the fucking time everywhere else. They're Okada just a, does it's like just 10 a move, a match. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a move. Like, it's like, not uh, a big on, deal. Uh, on a Revolution, when Jr. was getting all pissed about, it, he's like, "Oh, you know, when uh, someone kicks out a Tombstone, you know that you're in trouble." I was like, "Oh, he's just pissed now," because that was like the third one. I was like, "Clearly, he doesn't <laughs> remember calling New Japan matches because Okada does at least two a match." Right? Yeah, I, I always, I always get a kick out of arguments over certain moves, uh, just because one wrestler at one point had it as a finisher once upon a time. I'm like. That's why I always Just crack out, out, out of pile drivers or Canadian destroyer. I'm like, have you ever seen any match ever anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the Canadian destroyer is so funny because it's just Petey Williams' move. Like, come on. It's not it's not like you're disrespecting no offense to Petey Williams. It's not like you're disrespecting like the biggest legend of all time. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're not we're not talking about the Kyoko Inoue's Niagara driver and people are right. kicking out at one o- one o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, we're not doing the ocean cyclone here. It's 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 just Petey Williams' finisher. Like, chill out. <laughs> that's uh man, that's a different conversation, but it fits this. Yeah. And one thing I will note uh is Hiroyo and Tomika Nakagawa were in one of the best tag team feuds and title match hunts and uh for Oz Academy for the better part of essentially a year and a half at this point. And to see them, I mean, they pretty much ran the promotion in main events uh, for, for those 14 to 18 months. And they're just kind of third from the bottom in a forgettable little comedy match. It's, uh, it's one of my frustrations with, Mm -hmm just booking in general. And it's not, it's not just a Joshi. I mean, we kind of see it in Western wrestling when there's so much reliance on a couple of wrestlers to get them through, say TV for X amount of months. And then when the big show comes along, Oh, you're yesterday's news. We got to bring in the nostalgia acts to try and sell tickets. Uh, that's just kind of frustrating. Cause I feel like I've wasted my investment in, in 
me keeping up with you guys. Right. No, I I get it. Like, you know, for me, when you say that, you could have had Matsumoto and Nakagawa in the third match to the top instead of the third match to the bottom, right? I, right. That would have been way more fitting than what actually was there. Yeah. Triple Tails is in our trios match. This is my damn highlight, JD. This was my highlight. <laughs> this was one of the best uh, matches on the show. It's uh, Yoshirai, Miyoshirai, and Kana taking on Ayumi Kurihara, Yumi Oka, and Hiren. Hiren and Yumi Oka representing uh, Sekigun, <laughs> as Yumi Oka has uh, represented them 10 years later. Uh, mm. This is Hiren's uh, retirement tour. She has announced her retirement officially uh, earlier this month. So she's not long for wrestling much longer after this, unfortunately. Uh, we've called her the Tramp Stamp Queen. She's very attractive. She's a great little undercard wrestler. She gets people over. She bumps for literally everybody. She's not a main eventer, but she fills out her role great. We love hearing on this podcast. I was impressed. If I mean, I've you know this is the first time I've ever seen you wrestle, but um, I mean, I was impressed the whole match. But I was definitely impressed with the three that I didn't know much about. Well, I know Yumioka, so the two, uh, the two. Um, and here and yeah, I I can understand why you guys are uh, actually. Fans. I think this was her retirement match. Um, yes, no, 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 no. Uh, she finished. She she retired in November, so she's kind of filling out different cards. Okay. Okay. But she she didn't announce her retirement this month, uh, oh, according okay. to. So there's there was actually a site that I was able to find that was just doing like random Puro and Joshi news back in 2009. And he ran to 2012 and he was just doing news. And this was one of them. Bless them. Bless whoever that was. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was called it went for three years till 2012. Yeah, like, it was yeah. called Puro Representant <laughs> with, with the ex- <laughs> yeah, with the apostrophe at the end. Uh, I can't believe he missed all the good stuff. Like he, <laughs> he stopped in 2012 and then like everything that was good started to happen. Yeah, so I found <laughs> that. Like, and I'm like, I don't want this anymore. I was trying to cross reference some like shoe pro stuff. And uh, most of it checked out. So I think this guy like got all his news from Shupro. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And just translated it in English. I, res- yeah, I respect that. That's, that's the way to make a, I'd say a living bow is probably a lot of work, which is why it only lasted three years. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. So it begins with Kana and Kurihara beating the hell out of each other. Is this your ex- uh, first experience with Ayumi Kurihara? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I love this woman. Mm-hmm. She is, she is. She is the biggest what ifs I've experienced on this journey so far. How long does she wrestle? So I believe she marries Yoshihashi and retires. No way. Yeah. No way. Oh my God. Yeah. Depresses you, right? Oh, your fault. You let someone more talented than you retire. Damn it. That's wow. That's that's the biggest nugget you'll give me today. I'm not going to lie. Uh, do I need do I need to tell you who Masaki Ohada uh, marries and retires? Who? Uh, 
she marries uh what's the dude from ddt there's a lot of people from ddt it's um the good one no 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 he's like a job guy job guy (laughs) oh jesus i have no idea i'm not i forget his name he's 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 essentially a a jobber in uh wait is his uh let's see here debut retired spouse ah here he is it's uh makoto oishi from ddt oh that's interesting (laughs) yeah okay i wasn't wasn't ready for that one either (laughs) yeah oh yeah so like the two two of the like biggest what ifs names if the joshi scene ever cut off they 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 essentially married dorks (laughs) and retired (laughs) oh man so something's Uh. happening here yeah, we I got Io Shirai getting arrested in Mexico with the Noah Booker of 2022. <laughs> and that, yeah, it's 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 just fun stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I Curry Hara is a suplex machine. Uh, she does a lot of stints in Mexico. We've talked about her uh, very extensively on this podcast and following her career at this point because there there's a long conversation to be had over what freelancers are able to do and the pros and cons to essentially not being signed to a promotion. And it's very relevant now because we've had another free agency period, I guess we can call it where there's a lot of uh, Joshi wrestlers not signed to promotions exclusively. And they're essentially in limbo with nowhere to really shine and that leads to a lot of things like Smash uh, inventing and wrestlers going there. That leads to what we're seeing now with nomads and prominence and colors, just just pieces of survival, while these companies either can't afford to sign a wrestler full-time or there's no money in the wrestlers signing their full-time in the first place. So they make money, they make more money to not be a part of a promotion and just take bookings rather than try to make a career and hope for something to happen. And there's, there's just no guarantee. So a lot of these wrestlers such as triple triple tails protect themselves, take bookings together and come on these cards in undercard matches just to essentially make a buck. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Interesting. That's very reminiscent of kind of now. <laughs> and, you know, I know we have subgroups and whatnot, but, huh. you, man, okay, okay. Ah, I, that, that's, the, that's a learning uh, <laughs> response. There. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's me, like, processing. <laughs> and I wanted to give you a response. Um, I, I mean, before we, you know, I, I will say something about this match. Like, uh, I think people actually should, if they can, go check this one out, uh, this match specifically. I think seeing early Io Shirai is always a treat um, because of what she was doing before going full-time with stardom. Like, there's a reason she was pretty much the chosen one when she went there. Um, and, you know, good, good on Rossi for making her a main eventer right off the bat because she had that skill, right? Instead of, you know, treating her just like another name and not making her the biggest star in the history of the promotion. 
So on the outside, you have Blizzard Yuki and Sekigun doing their nonsense because Hiran and Yumioka are part of that. Uh, there's some cool tag tags and tag moves from Triple Tails, such as the uh, assisted lion salt from Yoshirai. That, was, that was rad. That was sweet. And Eo pins the soon retiring Hiran after hitting her finisher at this time. The top rope 450 kick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was... She was out of her mind, right? Like <laughs> she she was doing stuff in this match that I was like, man. I mean, you know, she she limited it a little bit down, but oh my god, that that popped me. Yeah, she's nuts. She's nuts at this time. And when she goes into stardom, very recommend uh, going to listen to that uh, on the Patreon. The just the last episode where I talk about her facing uh, Yuzuki Aikawa for the very first white belt defense match. Beast. Absolute beast. Not on Stardom World. You have to somehow come across the DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely go check that out. I have oh, ways. I will be. I have my ways. I'll send it to you, Scotty. Please do. I, lo- I love uh, I love Yuzuki, too. So, like, this that would be a win-win for me. Io Shirai is the reason I like Joshi. In the first place. So anything Yo Shirai is must watch for me. So my mine is actually Maya Yuki. Really? She's my girl, yeah. Interesting. Wait, what, hmm. what did you see her in to make you um jump in? It was the Yokohama uh Budokan uh, uh, Yokohama Buka uh show against Sukasa Fujimoto where she essentially got the shit kicked out of her and didn't win. And I was all on board Maya and Joshi full time because I had seen Stardom. I know Ice Ribbon was your way in. Yeah, Ice Ribbon was my way in. And Maya was the one that took me over the edge. Oh, yeah. I mean, Maya's Maya's awesome. I had I had no idea. I I just I knew Ice Ribbon was the way for you. I just never knew it was Maya exactly. But I mean, Maya's awesome. So I can't blame you. Yeah. Look, style, everything. Right. She, yeah, Singles she, match. she has everything. Singles match here. This match kind of ruled, but it's very interesting yeah. what occurs in it. It's Mako Satomura taking on and defeating Sonico Kato. 13 and a half minutes. Are you familiar with my rating system, Scotty? I am. I gave this two out of three recommended scale. I think that's deserving of that. So this was built off the last couple shows where Kato challenged Mako to a singles match. Uh, Mako actually got pinned on a, really? on a show prior, which I was <laughs> like is, absolutely floored and shocked by because Mako at this time in the early 2010s, Mako wrestles like 16 matches a year. And she, she never like, wrestles. What? Is there a reason for that? Uh, well, uh, at this time, uh, the earthquake affected Sendai. Right, 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 right. But even before that, it was the closer of Gaia, and she was trying to get Sendai off, and she just wasn't taking bookings. Wow. So there's a huge gap in just quantity of her wrestling. In her prime? Yes. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's very sad, you know, to think about. Because Satomura... Especially during this time, and she was incredible. I mean, she was incredible when she did her stardom work too. But that's I'm stu- I, I would argue that's where she did her best work. 
was in stardom. In stardom, I agree. I I agree, but just to think about that, she was she had these couple of years, which you know weren't that many. Oh, that it was more than a couple of years. It was like six years where it was essentially nothing. Man, that's I had. Wow, that's that's a it's a big what if then. Oh, like what could have Spadamore done during that time? And what, how many matches could she have had? Well, because it was, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the Joshi state of at that time, right? Right. Wasn't hot, but who knows what it is if, or who knows how people remember it if at least you have Sadamore going full time. It would be I, better. I guess, I guess we'll know, but it's, it's a very uh, common misconception that she quote unquote kept the scene alive. When she didn't, she didn't have really anything there. to do with it. She wasn't there. Yeah. Right. That's wow. I had, I had no clue. So that's, that's a big, what if for me, just overall, like what is keeping the scene alive? She wasn't there for that. I don't know how people think that, but if it is, so my opinion, if anything, it's actually Oz Academy that kind of kept the scene alive. It yeah. was Ozaki. Cause number. when you see a card like this, every one of kind of prominence is on this card at this at this period. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she takes on uh, Sonic Kato. If I have my facts straight, which I think I do, these two debuted against each other in Gaia's first rookie class in 1995, in which Mako Satomura beat her. Okay. So that's why this match is here. Okay, that it's makes a complete sense. Gaia comeback, and uh, Kato wants to defeat Satomura in singles action. Uh, the notable match I mentioned prior was the trios match where Mako got pinned. That's how this got made. So I found the the whole Gaia debut connection here, and here we are in 2011. These two debuted in '95 in a different promotion that's now closed, and they're reminiscing on it and making a rivalry out of it for this particular show. I think that's really cool. I think that's an excellent comeback. That's a well-built match. It's one of the best built matches on this card, uh, with the exception of another, which we'll we'll get into later. But um, I love this match. Unfortunately, something bad happens in it, which cuts it short. That's why I didn't really get the three out of three. But the way they were able to work through it and kind of essentially audible their way through a match was super fascinating and we're watching it in the discord with a, f- a few other people and we just kept rewinding trying to figure out like where things went wrong in the match uh how they uh overcame it it, it was it's a super fascinating watch from a wrestling perspective and an analytic perspective uh, did you catch possibly what went wrong i didn't i noticed like you said that something went wrong because you could just tell um you know midway through and you know like you said credit to them for keeping it together uh i just wanted to praise the you know back and forth that these two had the trade i'm big into when wrestlers just trade off with just some gnarly stuff and that's what they were doing for the especially in the early going i i i loved it i mean this was probably my favorite overall match on the card. Yeah, I mean, I never, I didn't notice though what exactly happened. So, uh, Kato hits a springboard, uh, a side somersault to the floor. Yeah, 
That's early. Mm-hmm. These two went out and kicked each other really hard, as you said. Love that. And near the beginning, so this this match goes 13 and a half minutes. So when I say near the beginning, it's like within the first five minutes. Mako hits her cartwheel kick. Yeah. Okay. You see Tam Nakano yep. do the similar move. Mm-hmm. And she lands hard across the back and shoulders of Kato. And this mm. seemingly pops her shoulder out of place. Because she goes down and rolls over for a bit, and the ref's checking on her. Yeah, And, and from there, they work the rest of the match, striking each other. They're not even doing moves anymore or flying around the ring at all. They're just hitting each other with forearms and hard kicks with very little moves. And Kato tries to get her like shoulder and arm up at times, and it's still kind of moving. And for every move that concurrently happens after that, eventually they get to the point where Kato just isn't moving her right arm at all anymore in the match. And mm-hmm. you can really tell that once that happens, Mako just kind of picks her up a couple times, hits a Death Valley driver and pins her, essentially. Yeah. Great Death Valley driver, by the way. God, it's, it's murders her. Yeah, uh, uh, that's okay. Okay, that makes sense because you you could feel that something happened like watching it i i did not connect those dots so thank you for picking that out but like like you said they just were trading which i i I am not complaining about i enjoy that stuff but you you could definitely tell they had probably so much more to do just based off the way they were going um wow uh yeah you could thinking back now after watching it like i'm noticing all these things that you just pointed out okay See, this is why I probably should have watched with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's matches like this that gives you a different perspective on a match and and further respect. And uh, upon a rewatch, it's better uh, because you then see what happened and then you see them work differently around it. Uh, I highly recommend actually watching back the Riho Britt Baker match from January when Riho cracked her mm-hmm. collarbone. Yeah. And when you see when you see it happen, like you can kind of pick a spot where Rio uh, got cra- got just absolutely just hammered. And oh, I remember it. She's such a good seller in the first place. You don't quite catch on. And then you as a wrestling fan and viewer, when you see something like this, you're like, holy shit. She was still this match. Kato was doing nothing on the shoulder, the arm. Mako was avoiding it. Uh, that's probably better <laughs> that a professional yeah. was able to go, okay, you're hurt. I won't, I won't do anything. Well, except the death Valley driver where she landed right on her sh- fucking shoulder. <laughs> uh, but the, 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 the rest of the match <laughs> prior to that, uh, was actively avoiding that. When I watched the Britt Baker Riho match, there was clearly a language barrier there. Cause it it seemed to me Britt Baker had no clue, but the yeah, ref was not. communicated to, and then it, then then the ref was communicating to like Jamie Hader and company mm-hmm. uh, to like call audibles in the match. It, those are always fascinating. That's kind of why that match ended up making the top five in my Western Joshi yeah. matches of the month kind of situation. Uh, it made number five, so it barely made the list because it was still. A Britt Baker match, but anyways, you get the idea. <laughs> uh, that. That's interesting. I, I, you know, you talk about the barrier. That's kind of like when um, Kyrie got hurt in that ladder match. 
that oh uh, yeah with charlotte yeah exactly yeah, with charlotte becky and oscar um that's kind of the same type of thing i mean you know charlotte was clueless um but yeah okay so there there's actually a, a good story nyla rose has told where she was hurt in a match and there was that language barrier and I believe this was uh, with this was this was either on Talk as Jericho or the Unrestricted podcast. And she had an ankle injury because like the bus crashed when she was uh, uh, on the Marvelous uh, bus. She was yep. over there, and she developed the strategy for foreigners that she would talk to that she couldn't communicate to. She'd have a doll and she'd point and do moves, and if something like bad happened she'd start pointing at different parts of like where a doll would be to communicate okay. like something's wrong. Oh, that's smart. That's actually, wow. Okay. That, you know, Nyla Rose it gets a lot of flack, but very smart. I, I like that a lot, actually. That's v like to break through that barrier, which I think a lot of people still, the language barrier, I think a lot of wrestlers still need to figure out it's very under, very, un, very underrated obstacle to overcome. Yeah. What? 100%. All right. Where were we? Let's see here. A few good near falls that led into uh, rough looking kamikaze bombs. Uh, Cause you can't hold makeup, uh, makeup properly. That's a uh, Kato's finisher where it's like the, the sit out dead eye. Yes. That hangman does. And at this point, yeah, again, Kato can't use a right arm. That's why it looked really rough. Uh, wheel kick, two Death Valley bombs later. Uh, had to suck taking that on the shoulder. Mako wins, just like their debut. My, how history repeats itself. Kato in the mud. <laughs> right on the shoulder, by the way. Like, this was this was a high drop. This It was either, it was <laughs> yeah. either the neck, the head, or the injured shoulder there was no no safety uh not safety but no uh no protecting yourself on that one it was, it was beautiful like it as a wrestling fan you're like oh yeah you're done you're done you're completely but yeah that that must have hurt like a bitch like i said two out of three i definitely checked this one out i thought it was the match of the night and then that I leads agree. us into chikayo nagashima who is supposed to be retired this year. You you would know her from uh, like Seedling, for example. Yeah, yeah. She's teaming with Mary Apache, former high-speed champion in stardom. <laughs> mm-hmm, that uh -huh. is true. Taking on and defeating Akino, who is the number one contender for the current Oz Academy title. My God. Teaming with Fabi Apache. This went 19 minutes. JD, I never thought it was gonna end. I never thought this was gonna end. I really, I I started looking at the clock and I was like, Brutal. "Have I?" Because you see the match, and you're like, "Okay, you know, I just wa I had to watch Triple Tails wrestle for six minutes, so this better, you know, this better, <laughs> this better go like ten tops." It went double, and it wasn't good. It was bad. I did not have a good time. What is your impression of uh, a young Chikayo and Akino at this point in time? They well, were, I say young uh, Akino when she's still in her late thirties. <laughs> big time, big time. Uh, you know, quotation. Uh, you know, not young. <laughs> um, I well, they were the one part of the match that I slightly enjoyed. Um, I thought Nagashima was my more so preference here. JD, JD, 
JD. I need. I need. She's also in her late thirties at this point. Yes. 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 (laughs) She was not. She was not young. Like you looked at her, I was like, oh, she looks the same. (laughs) <laughs> for the most part <laughs> i was like this is this is over this is over a decade ago what is happening uh yeah i mean they were the better part of the match right like that's 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 my big takeaway this was just it was hard to not clock watch by halfway through this because i was just like what are, what are we doing here like i i, I can't get myself to fully invest in this because it's not good it's just it wasn't good yeah i agree uh i was mildly entertained by the young 30 year old fabi apache doing her (laughs) lucha against like chikayo but mary she no good mary no good she out of shape she's slow she can't do any lucha she can of course she can work with fabi like obviously but like Akino, Lost Cause, tag team with Chikayo, Lost Cause, mostly came across like a standard tag with slow Lucha Libre. Uh, you know the saying, good Lucha Libre is like the best thing on the planet. Bad Lucha Libre is like untrained wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's it's the truest uh, statement you could think of in wrestling. Yeah. After a long drawn out playing the hits kind of match, Chikayo does the spinning leg scissor into a roll to pin Fabi. So there you go. This the, That was the best part. It was over. It was over. 19 minutes. Whew. So then we get into my second favorite match on the night. It is the Oz Academy tag titles on the line. Carlos Amano and Manami Toyota taking on Ran Yu and Toshi Yamatsu, 22 minutes this went. Uh, it's matches like this where you realize how much bigger and taller the AJW 80s and 90s wrestlers were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because of that height rule that they had. Yeah. Ran Yu and Toshi Yamatsu were tiny compared to like Minami Toyota. Yeah, Toyota looked like a giant in there. I was like, what? <laughs> that is something like, you will notice a lot. Like I, I was watching. I when I you know put it on, I was like, "Oh my god, when when did she get so tall?" Like that was the initial thought. I was like, "Oh wait, right, that makes sense." But it was yeah, it was. Uh, they she looked like a giant compared to them. So this is another like JWP offer match kind of situation here, and Gaia rookie class as well. Uh, they've met each other in the past before in tag title situations for the Gaia tag titles. Um, Carlos Amano is part of that. You, you, um, Yamatsu, you get the, you get the deal. Uh, Ran, you, doesn't shake Toyota's hand. It starts some beef for at least some heat. Uh, but early in the match, there's a spot where Amano runs up the long ramp. And then instead of running, she power walks, which the audience chuckles. Ran Yu ducks and Amato headbutts Toyota. What did you think of Carlos Amano and her headbutt style? I was, I was kind of, I was intrigued at first because of the way she would do the headbutt, right? Because it was kind of like, I, you don't have the, um, you know, old fashioned grab the other person's head and make the noise. She just kind of ran into them. Yeah. And I, kind of loved that it was kind of like a battering ram type thing um i i just thought it was 
I'm with you, by the way. Second best match of the show. I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought that was that was my big takeaway from this. Is like I had a great time watching this. Uh, her headbutt style, though, very unique. Very, I think a lot of people would be intrigued by that. Um, I guess I don't. I don't know if I have a comparison to anyone that does it like that now. No, nobody. Nobody does a, a style like this. It's only Carlos Amano I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. Of course, this does force her to retire because she uh, breaks her brain stem. Oh, my God. I mean, it makes sense, but oh, my it's, God. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. You're like, oh, yeah, of course. Look how she wrestles. <laughs> so entertaining, though. I mean, terrible idea, but uh, there's a reason <laughs> people don't do this anymore. But oh, my God. Like, I every time she every time she hit one, I was just like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've described Carlos Amano as instead of a clothesline, she uses a headbutt. It's a great saying. That's a great way to put it. I mean, I, that that's how I felt with the battering ram. She, you, uh, have you ever seen Toy Story two? Of course, I have. You know when Rex uh, says, "I don't want you to use my head." Yes, that's Carlos Amano. <laughs> but she did want to use your head, like all, at all times. <laughs> So after Amano headbutts Toyota, Toyota whiplashes herself running the ropes before a dive, because of course she does. She's Manami Toyota. She then almost face plants the apron off a standard plancha because she is Manami Toyota and she must always try to kill herself (laughs) at all times. Uh, So, yeah, usually these days I'm down on comedy matches and especially in title matches. But from the start, Ren Yuyu and Amatsu established themselves as chicken shit heels doing wacky heel chicken shit stuff. Yep. And that's what they did the entire time to try to win this match. Uh, the most memorable thing is you, you putting uh, Carlos Mano on a trolley, yeah. rolling her up the ramp. So there's a ramp uh, in line with the stage and it go. it's, we'll just say 20 feet long. And the weird thing is they just disappear behind the curtain and you clearly mm-hmm. just see the trolley being placed behind the curtain. There's no like thrust or hitting anything. <laughs> it's just like you're just gonna be here, and Amano just <laughs> stays on this thing. You're just like, okay, she's just gonna get get off and come around the corner. No, not at all. Uh, Toyota has to fight off the heel team. Goes and fetches the trolley. Amano is still on it, just sitting there. <laughs> and they do the trolley running them down the ramp. And all this is happening, the ref is counting to 20. Mm-hmm. This is all happening at a 20 count. It is hysterical. Yeah, and, they, uh, the count started a little late. Oh, well, yes, of course. Uh, Toyota puts Umatsu on the trolley, rolls her into the ring, so does a, a little stop and she flies. And the heels then proceed to fight desperately to keep them out of the ring to try to get the count out victory. Uh, they do not succeed. I would have been very cross with that finish. And uh, from there, the last six minutes of this 22-minute match is all action in near falls and cool-ass tag moves. So it's it's uh, it built up with chicken shit heel shit, and then they couldn't get it done in 15 minutes. And uh, it filled the time well, I thought. And... It's it's this match was the first real crowd reaction of the night. Uh, JOC headbutt combo, which is one of the most gnarliest uh, finishers I've ever seen. <laughs> and then Omano hits a running headbutt to pin Ran Yu Yu. 
I thought this match was a ton of fun. I believe I gave it one out of three. I went uh, pretty. I, I went low on it uh, because it's comedy and it was so long, but I still really loved it. The the crowd on the show was incredible, incredibly noticeable for being essentially a silent to clap crowd. Toyota, come on! Like that, <laughs> uh, I. I, I once this match started, I was like, you know, I feel like this is where we pick it up. Uh, Toyota's just, of course, Toyota. And you, you brought up earlier how she, you know, almost killed herself because she's Miami Toyota. Um, you know, I'm seeing 2011 here. So I'm thinking, yeah, you know, she probably lays it a little back. No, 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 no. Silly me. Shame on me. I know, I know she did some crazy stuff back then, but. You know, she was still trying to kill herself. She did. Um, I think she even did a crossbody out to the floor. Was that? Am I wrong on that? Uh, from the top rope, I believe she crashed down on everybody. Um, yeah, that was when she almost face planted on the apron. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so I liked the I liked the ending a lot. And back to the headbutt thing. I wish I had. I wish I had counted. How many headbutts she did in this match? Because oh. <laughs> now, that, now that I have the background information of why she had to retire. I could give you, you know, probably the 20 reasons why in this one match. Um, just a lot of fun, like you said. Um, I think one for, one out of three is fair because of the comedy. I'm not a big comedy guy either. I think you and me have talked about this before. Um, you know, I think we were talking about a wave show previously. Um, so there you go. But just a lot of fun. And like you said, the first match that really felt like a crowd was there. and. I, I'm going to give credit to the way they did it. The trolley stuff was a lot of fun. Like I, I had a smile on my face the entire time I watched that. And I liked the team of Amano and Toyota. I really did. Yeah. They've been a great tag team together. I've seen them throughout the, uh, the I've seen them as a team throughout this run of the Joshi 2010s. Uh, great team. Toyota is definitely not a single star at this point. You can kind of tell uh, she's thick. Yeah. Th- she's thick Toyota these days. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but still good, though. Oh, yeah. Still still very good. Carlos Amano is a form is the former openweight champion from 2010. Uh, she's slotted into a an important tag team role, uh, though. I'd very much rather see her in the main event personally. Uh, she's still at this point. You don't know about her broken brainstem, so I'd rather see her uh, going for singles titles. Who knows? Maybe there's some backstage information that we're not privy to. That's very possible. You never know these days. But she's still putting on matches like this in the tag, so I'm very skeptical that that would be mm-hmm. the case. Yeah. No, I I'm with you there. I mean, it was just a blast. It was it was one of the matches where I was like, okay, maybe JD didn't set me up for total failure. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a it's a very important show. It's Oscar's it biggest of the year. We'll watch all of them. That's what that's how it's going to work. Uh, same thing with major ice ribbon shows and all this. Uh, just to the track to history and and critique, and that leads us into the main event. The, the mm. <laughs> likely the reason why this show sold the way it did, a hundred percent. It's the Oz Academy Open Weight Title Four Way Elimination Match. Mayumi Ozaki, Aja Kong, Dynamite Kansai, Shinobu Kandori. 37 minutes. Four-way elimination. However, 
Scotty, I'm going to ask you a question. What were the rules in this match? If you watched it, there were none. Okay. I will ask you a, a follow-up question. <laughs> why were they why were they tagging in as in teams? Yeah, I don't that was my <laughs> biggest gripe in this entire match, besides the Ozaki stuff. I was sitting there, I was like, this what because you know, you sent me the card first, correct? Yes. So I see four way elimination match. Then I see them get on the apron and I'm like did I, did I read this wrong? What is? Wait a minute. Did I read this wrong? Uh, so I went back. I looked, and I was like, "Nope, I did it." Okay, so they're just doing this in tag team form for no reason, and you know, Ozaki saving Dynamite, and there's <laughs> and vice versa, and Kong saving Kendori. Well, sometimes, kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of. So, uh, but the best I, I could, so yeah, yeah, I was absolutely confused myself. I had no clue what was happening. I didn't know Don't why. Do this now. There's no explanation. Uh, obviously, there's no commentary on these things. But don't and, they don't they do the tag team thing and then like the last two wrestle now? Didn't they do that recently on Oz Academy? They do a lot of these. Th- yeah, they do a lot of these like wacky team elimination okay. situations. Yeah, I don't like it at all. Don't do that. No, they they think it's standard. The be- the best way I could head cannon this. Because I tried to find some confirmation. Maybe it was on that uh, Plum Memorial Day 1 show that they kind of set this up as where Ozaki bribed Kansai with money, because that's what she does, that if we work together to help keep each other from being pinned, then we can take out Kandori and Kong and fight each other one-on-one. The weird part is that where I can't quite buy that is Kansai, like everyone hates Ozaki in this promotion. It's Sekigun against the world. That's what it is. And this is essentially a callback match to the history. Uh, Ozaki and Kansai are JWP. Aja Kong is AJW and Kendori is LLPW. That's why this match exists in the first place. Kansai is the champion heading in. So it's essentially Team JWP against LLPW and AJW. That's really as simplistic as it can get. The The whole tag situation is like at first I thought, oh, it's first fall loses and then the last two fight each other singles. That would make sense where they like draw straws or something, but they didn't do any of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. From all I could tell, it was just, this is how it was booked. Your tag team, they acted like it was a tag match and went along like, who cares kind of situation. Uh, Structurally, this match was ass and hilarious. (laughs) I I, uh, messaged you. I was like, I said hilarious. That was all I could walk away from this thinking. It was ass. Um, There were part. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to admit there were some parts that I was like, I popped for like you know I don't know how deep you want me to get into the match yet but Aja Kong just getting fed up with Kandori I mean that, that yeah that's that's inevitable <laughs> so whenever you whenever great. you have a situation where it's uh, these legends in a tag match situation you will see the common hit your tag partner and the person who got hit gets rolled up or immediately hit with a finisher and pinned mm-hmm that is like 101. That is 101 right. legend booking. 
She uh she cleaned her tag team partner's clock, but yeah, we can say she hit her. Yeah, Kandori worked in this match for a, a grand total of like five minutes. She took like four bumps, and she was going home, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching this. I was like, oh, right, Kandori's here. I don't think I remember her doing anything remotely except for getting her lights knocked out, uh, <laughs> which, you know, get the paycheck. All respect on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not and- winning. Yeah, just just do the three bumps. That's fine. Yeah, she she went full uh, Jeff Jarrett, Daniel Makabe, or not Daniel Makabe, uh, uh, Toby Maka, Daniel Makabe is oh, a Canadian wrestler. <laughs> Daniel Makabe is young. <laughs> yeah, uh, Toby Makabe, where it's like, how how many bumps can I not take <laughs> before uh, still making myself look, I guess, strong? And that's that's Ken, mm-hmm. that's the Kendori way at this point in life. So then it comes down to Ozaki and Kansai essentially doing two on one against Aja Kong because Aja Kong against the world in Oz Academy. That is what they do. And I mean, it's a lot of heat on Ozaki as the shitbag heel. And of course, anytime she gets into a pin or submission trouble, Sekigun is there to just break up and cause chaos. That is what they do. It's every single Ozaki match you've ever seen. I want to tell everybody, I said this, I think I said this before the show. Stop complaining about House of Torture because you go watch this, okay? Go watch this shit, okay? (laughs) And then come back to me and say which is worse because this was beyond frustrating. Because reading these four names, I got excited. I got, I was like, okay, this is going to be great. And Ashkong, Kong, bless her, she did a lot of good stuff in this match. I'm going to give her credit, uh, because like you said, Aja Kong versus the world. That's exactly what this was. But oh my god, I wanted... I just... I was so blown away of like, oh, there is no rules. There is no reason to this match. There is no... I don't understand how people watch this. Like, I don't know... Because, <laughs> you know, I how long was... um ozaki and company together by this point uh since i think ozaki goon was formed in 97 officially and they made the produce show promotion okay so there's an understanding here going into the show i it no not for me not for me, JD. I was I was so frustrated. 98. And ninety-eight is when it was yeah. I was just so frustrated because the I was like, you idea know, of Sekigun was formed in the early nineties. Oh well, yeah, terrible idea. Thanks for asking. Well, <laughs> shitbag heel, bro. It's still they still do it too, right? She still does this. Oh, the exact same thing. Yeah, eleven years later. Dude, she was it's old then. Twenty years later. No, I meant I meant from. Oh, this okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was um, she was in her forties at this point. Oh my god, this is this is this is. Uh, my mind has been opened, and I I now needed to close um, the book on Oz Academy for life. I can't believe. Uh, I can't believe people pay to go see this. <laughs> well, I mean. We know we know uh, some people that have gone to Oz Academy shows, and from the live experience, it's kind of wacky and fun. Because when you see a, a res- wrestling show live, you definitely get a different perspective because you're true. you're kind of part of the show. But from a like DVD or uh, outside perspective, this is a lot of junk wrestling with no concept of what we're doing in the ring for 
any sort of period of time. Uh, Kandori can't move. That's why she's taken no bumps. Kansai is like, she looks like she could fall apart at any moment. She has no arms. Her, her knees are shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aja Kong is the most mobile person in this match. And then when you kind of look at her in 2022, you're like, Jesus, <laughs> she can <laughs> hardly move then. He's, he's currently out with injury. Yeah, she's, she's on, she, her knees are on life support. And here you have Ozaki doing Ozaki booking. So even if, like, she's mobile, but it doesn't matter. Because any, I mean, she has her crew. It's five. It's five on everybody, right? It's five on one. It's oh, it five always is. Kong. It's five on Kong. Uh, Kansai six, and Kansai eliminates Kandori for the record after Kong blaster with a back fist. <laughs> uh, then it's like another fifteen minutes of Aja Kong versus the world, and finally mm-hmm. Kansai puts her away with a double foot stomp after tons of interference. Then it's down to Ozaki and Kansai for the last, like, 12, and that just goes on forever with chains, because it's Kansai oh and God. Ozaki going at it. There's tables, uh, more chains, lots of blood, uh, which this is also the appeal of Oz Academy throughout the Joshi scene. It's the only one that does blood, does, like, 1980s, 90s women's wrestling from that era where you have the shit heel that just wants to draw blood. I appreciate that personally. I like that kind of stuff. I it like it doesn't matter if it's man or women bleeding if if it's a fight and it's a grudge. I mean, one of my favorite matches in 2010 was Ozaki versus Kaoru in the last woman standing match and they bled buckets. Uh uh Kaoru had her crew back up fighting Ozaki's crew outside so it was it was the crews essentially fighting each other that to me is good kind of team warfare type booking where the interference makes sense uh there's like an understanding with the referee kind of situation i could headcanon that i can understand when a match like this happens and it's elimination and you know there's teams you know there's backups three out of the four people know ozaki's a shitbag with a team out there and they're still like meh let's tag in and out it's garbage I hate that. And the entire finish is Ozaki just beating the shit out of Kansai. Kansai gets a few comebacks that you don't really buy. The near falls are very flat. The crowd's not reacting. And Ozaki just wins in the end. So she wins on her own anniversary show of the promotions she created. And the title has changed four times uh, in this calendar year. Four. Yeah. Four. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. I four and laugh. four defenses. By the way, I laugh at the anticlimactic ending of just like the roll through. I I mean, you could call whatever you want. It was just I I went back and read. Oh yeah, the roll up it. finish is hysterical. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, so time out. We had to wrestle all this time. We used a chain. We did all this mumbo jumbo just so we can roll up for the win. Awesome, love that. That that was the real uh, cherry on top of the shit. Uh, <laughs> the shit ice cream sundae. Just wonderful, JD. It was what a what an experience for me to experience Mayumi Ozaki and her uh, mindset uh, through this match because I went into it excited, looking forward to it. I read four names that I have seen through 
the past that you know had really great matches. Aja Kong, love Aja Kong, and then I watch it and I am just left sad. <laughs> yeah, the 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 concept of doing jobs and protecting oneself and uh the senpai kohai hierarchy to it all because at the end of 2010 scotty k and i did a like tiered hierarchy of who's in the scene and this is one of our frustrations especially mine in 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 just terms of the fandom and booking of the joshi wrestling scene is this idea of a hierarchy and you can't make it until you're x amount of experienced to gain respect in a way i respect that but there is a there is a limit to it all because here you have a number of names on this card and i get that this card was specifically built to be a nostalgia show and this is one of the better oz academy and joshi attendances over the last uh, between two between 2008 and i want to say 2015 this was like the top drawing house in that time period that name value goes back to that that uh the nostalgia goes a long way nostalgia is a powerful thing in wrestling and it's also a damaging thing it is it really is i think i think we i mean we we've watched how many companies in the past couple of years, whether it be West, Japan, wherever, really hang on to nostalgia and it be the problem at hand. And I'm with you there. I mean, it it just it's great because fans love it, right? But once the nostalgia is gone, you're left with what? Nothing. Right. So the the people on the under and mid card that you didn't build that you didn't highlight, that you didn't feature properly, they're utterly, they're inadvertently, whether it's the promotion or not, that is their intent. You're telling the audience that they are less than the stars of the past, which is a major issue in wrestling. It is, it is very unique because there's always, there's always the, comparison i like making in sports and since uh baseball lockout just happened imagine if ken griffey jr like came back or ichiro both of those guys came back to a seattle's mariners game oh they'd sell the stadium out for sure Mm -hmm. and then you bat you bat ichiro first and you bat ken griffey fourth uh and uh you if if they could book it if you could book baseball you would have Ichiro on base immediately and Ken Griffey Jr would hit a home run and then what do you do in the next game when they're not there well the crowd is going to deplete cuz you've said those are the stars and they're not there anymore so i have no interest in going to that game right it's it's that's a great way to say it. i mean you know it's not going to happen in baseball but it's it's a good way for i think any fan that may not totally um maybe not connecting of you know you bring back those studs and here's i mean there's another there's so many examples you can go with but i mean that's perfect you know with seattle mariners of all teams right now um and it just (laughs) it was just it was just the first thing that kind of popped into my head it it was it was perfect though really because you're using a 
you know, lesser team, so say a lesser promotion, but you're bringing in legends to, you know, pop a pop a rating, pop a number one time, but after that you're like, oh, this is this is what we have left. And it's just it's still a problem. It's uh I mean, we watch WWE deal with it every year, right? That's that's their entire WrestleMania goal is nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. Nostalgia and celebrities. Right. And then boom, after that, no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit anyways for the celebrities. But people do give it's to sell out one stadium or two days of a stadium. And then you walk back the next day and all those people are not there anymore. And you're like, oh, so what was the point? Right. So if your objective is television rights and it's going to I mean, their their rights are going to go up anyways. But think of how much higher it would be <laughs> if they would actually gear towards building that up. And just to roll back around to the Joshi scene here, all these names at the top of the card, with the exception of the Apache sisters <laughs> uh, or the Apache cousins. I'm not I'm not sure of their exact lineage but they're it's fabian mary pachi with that with that exception this whole card was nostalgia base it's based on gaia it's a callback to the past i like look it's a one-time thing it's a celebration of of uh plum's death it's the 15th anniversary of the show i got no problem with what we saw here the whole thing was geared towards nostalgia in the first place uh that's what it was advertised for i had a good time watching the show I had a good time respecting the history uh, from a like bell to bell perspective. I thought most of it was pretty average to ass with a couple exceptions. <laughs> Is and, it, uh, uh, my favorite example is uh, Jordan Patu on Twitter. Uh, two packs of ass. That's, that's that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two packs of ass. <laughs> yeah. Love that guy. Hilarious. Uh, he's the best. Yeah. Hysterical. Uh, we've all been watch- watching Aoi for years. She's a great wrestler. <laughs> so glad. <laughs> best joke. The best uh, yeah. joke. Uh, you know, I I just want to add this in before you you know clean it up. Is like here, you know, it's the perfect example of using nostalgia the right way. The way Stardom did it all. All Star Dream Cinderella. Their main events were still about their current stars, right? Yes. They had the they had the Nai on the card. They had Dragusa Nagayo on the card. You had Yoshiko on the card. But in the end, it was still all about your wrestlers, your stories. And I think that's the best way to do nostalgia if you're going to do it. Right, and that's what, and that's that's why I was so critical of the guyism card it was half advertised as nostalgia and yet everything was built towards it was supposed to be built towards the new generation that's taking over but the whole show was presented as nostalgia right right that's what it was and that again kind of like this show is a selling point and it worked right they got but the main event right is not that I thought it was a great match, but are, are you going to pack buildings? Right? Are you going to pack ah, buildings? So no. We just got essentially the top attendance allegedly, uh, allegedly for the past five years. Okay. Uh, well, that card doesn't work. I was looking at the next next month uh, from Cage Match. Um, what do you think? <laughs> The house shows were drawing um, in Shinjuku Face, which I believe is a max attendance of 500. What, what would you say they drew the next like couple months 
after the biggest show that they could possibly put on. 320. Uh, you are in the ballpark. 390. Okay. Okay. I, f- I figured with the conversation we were having, it wasn't going to be the full pack. <laughs> no. So the show before this at Shinjuku Face got 468, close to a sellout. Okay. Coming out of the show, they're not even getting to 400. So I, 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 yeah. I, I've, I've spoken about breaking down small attend- attendance numbers differently, different mindset. You know, fifty to hundred people in in this era makes a difference. It does, and you have to realize like how are you going to get those extra fifty to hundred people in there? Uh, how do you how do you interpret that? It's it's a it's a different set of rules that you have to kind of uh, analyze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such. This is I know this is a lot of work you do. Um, but it's always so fascinating to listen to that because I, I'm never going to be able to be the one to do that work. That's, that's why I think your show, uh, that's why your shows are so unique and so uh, good, but I love listening to it. I love getting the understanding of like, you know, you did this, but did it work? And, you know, we, you just proved it right there with stats. Anytime you can use stats, you win. You win the you win the battle. Yeah, I mean they were they were kind of they were doing pretty well in 2010 coming out of the dark age and and they're they're just to con- just to continue to remind people we are also coming out of an economic crisis right now. If you remember in right, right, 09. Right. Okay, so we are coming back to it. There's an extent. We are however, it is year over year data and Ozakazmi's uh, uh losing attendance despite having their biggest show of the last five years in the entire scene, their house shows are still going down They're because they only do one or two shows a month. They kind of need all the people they, they can get in Shinjuku face. Right. So it's something, something for us to keep an eye on. Can they keep hitting the 500 or are they going to be struggling to get 400 from now on, which is something they weren't doing uh, prior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah yeah. So we got Stardom here. We got Wave. The next show, Scotty, is over Ice Ribbon, uh, Ice Ribbon Wonderland. Most notably, what happened on that show? That was Makoto's going away show from Ice Ribbon, where she became a freelancer and she would shortly join Smash after that. And that's also when Nagisa Nozaki left Wave to also go to Smash, and then which she. Uh, as we found out, would start a relationship with a wrestler in there, which had uh, horrible, unspeakable consequences uh, to her and her career. Um, we'll be going into uh, into a lot of that in the next episode. Um, a sad history, a important history to know, something I'm weirdly not looking forward to uh, <laughs> covering. But it is relevant to someone who is prominent in the indie Joshi scene now, which is Nagisa Nozaki. Makoto has come back to Ice Ribbon, um, which seems to be a full-time basis at this point as a regular. And Ice Ribbon went through an exodus recently. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, historical contents 
to the next Ice Ribbon Show in the next episode. Scotty, I know you won't be joining me for that one. You got a lot of WrestleMania stuff you got to cover. Uh, maybe I can time. get someone else to uh, fill in, or I'll go solo. Well, it sounds like a terribly difficult episode to just go solo for. It sounds so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be something, but um, I believe it's Emi Sakura versus Makoto, which should be an excellent match to watch, nonetheless. But it is 2011 Makoto, not 2022. Yeah, I was going to say, Makoto's a lot better now than uh, she probably was <laughs> back then. I mean, she's, she's kind of just flipping the switch now <laughs> yeah. at times. Uh, but uh, thank you for having me on. I mean, this was a great... I, I liked the opportunity to learn you know, because I'm even on the show, I got to learn and just, you know, I watched, but you gave me that background information. And I think it's I'm sure people that listen to this may be in my same boat. So I appreciate you giving me the chance to be on here and uh, enjoy the journey. Even if the card wasn't the greatest card of all time, it was a fun card to look at. It had a lot of legends. So for that aspect alone, it was a good time. And, uh, you know, it's always good talking to you so that's that's cool too i was really happy to have you on scotty and now i got playstation fucking five to play i just got it finally after a year and a half i feel so bad because i've had mine never mind i'm not gonna say it oh we we got words when i hit stop here (laughs) thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time